Welcome to Going Off Track. Hi. What's up, Brad? Ah, uh, you know, I'm just um, doing the do, man. Yeah, you look... Um, doing what I do. You look rested? Did you I good? do because I'm exhausted. Really? <laughs> yeah, you do. You're uh, you're projecting. Maybe. I feel pretty rested. Um, See, you are. You're projecting. I went to a really funny comedy show last night. Rachel Feinstein is going to be on Going Off Track soon. Uh, Amy Schumer produced her comedy special last night. And then I met up with um, a couple of the people from Against Me. They played Seth Meyers. So I was out pretty late, um, but I slept until like 11. <laughs> so... You told me you were up very late. I was. I'm, I'm not, I wasn't drinking. I was just hanging out, and then it was like two thirty in the morning, and I was. I couldn't. I couldn't figure out how to get home. It sucks when you're like have like a problem you think you only have when you're drunk. I was like, I can't find the subway, but I was like <laughs> totally sober. But for some reason, like I was up by like by thirty rocks. I was like on like forty second, like over by like the the um like four six train, and like the entrance is closed after midnight you're- and. Dude, you didn't, you didn't, because you weren't buzzed, you didn't have your drunk angel. No, I didn't. you know there's a drunk angel. No, I didn't know that. Oh my God. I've gotten home from like insane, insanity before. Yeah. Like, with my drunk angel. I was totally sober just walking, and every time I tried to get in the subway, I'd be like, this is closed, this engine's closed. I was like, so I ended up walking, it took me fucking forever to get home. Yeah. So sober. Should have had a drink. Probably could have got home faster. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I always thought it would kind of be the other way around. <laughs> no, man, Drunk Angel looks out for you. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I actually one time was in Vegas and like, and I don't even really know my way around. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, bro. Okay, so I won't talk about it. No, you can't, sorry. <laughs> so you're in Vegas. I was determined to see somebody, like Wayne Newton or somebody, and me and my friend were partying all day and he passed out. So I... St- took his car and drove from where we were, which is in the suburbs, all the way to the Strip and went into Vegas. And it was like Friday. And it was their dark. It was the one night. Like he was, there was, it was, I think it was Wayne Newton. It was somebody like that, like some super old school dude. And they're like, yeah, this is his night off. And I I got into a big argument with them. Like, I'm like, it's Friday night. There's people here that want to see Wayne. <laughs> And like, I was on the verge of getting kicked out and I finally, and finally left and somehow found the car in that, in one of those huge casino parking lots and then somehow made it back to this like suburban house in Las Vegas. It looked like every other fucking house. Are you sure this actually happened? This wasn't (laughs) some like, some dream you had. It's, it's quite possible that it was in fact just a dream. There are people here to see Wayne. (laughs) Like, are they going to make him materialize? That is so funny. Oh man. Yeah, we're both we're both leaving town tomorrow. I'm going I'm going to California. Brad's going to Portland. Portlandia. We'll be pretty close to each other. Well, uh, speaking of Portland East Coast miles. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh speaking of Portlandia, I just got Carrie Brownstein's book. Oh really? Um I went to her release party, it's not a big deal. Um but uh It's not a big deal. I, I hang like that. Uh she's great. But yeah, I haven't read it yet, but I'm gonna bring it on this trip. It's supposed to be awesome. Oh cool. Um, yeah, so when you're in Portland, you should, you should read it. Should I go on like the Portlandia tour? Do they have one of those? I bet you they do. I, um, I don't know. I haven't been there in a while. We, pl- United Nations played there last year. We played a place that was really big <laughs> and not a lot of people inside of it. That's depressing. Yeah. Um, but at the time before that I went, um, we stayed at, Fr- we at Fred's house. So it was a very Portlandia experience. Nice. 
Um, oh yeah, he totally. <laughs> yeah, we got brunch with Carrie. It's like, it's but yeah, she's cool. People in the town like, like were just are friendly, but like they weren't bugging her. Like everyone there is like super, super mellow. It's a good time. Nice. Anyways, today on the podcast, speaking of good times, speaking of good times, um, had a good time with Dave Bazan recently. Always do. Dave Bazan rolled through here um, with Yuki, who's been playing with him, who's also in the Shins. And um, they were celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the headphones record, which I can't believe that record's 10 years old. Um, but yeah, they haven't played a lot of those songs in a long time, and they were doing the Living Room show. And I went, I think I went to both of them. I usually go both times whenever they play in New York, and it was amazing. That record's awesome. They like re, we talk about it a lot in the podcast, they kind of rearranged all the songs for two people, and they both play keyboards, and it was awesome. And so Dave is on... One of our favorite guests. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely, man. So Very smart, intelligent, interesting, fun guy. Yeah. Awesome dude. Um, slight delay on this one, um, but uh, I'm glad that we're getting it out. Um, we got to space out Bazan appearances. We had him on a couple times. We had him on when he was here at the Overseas, who's another awesome record he put out with the guys from Centromatic, um, and one of my favorite bands, Bedhead, in the new year. So yeah, Dave Bazan and Yuki, headphones, enjoy. All right, well, we're back with uh, David Bazan and Yuki... Matthews. Matthews. How's it going? <laughs> it's going good. Uh, thanks for coming. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, last time you were here, I think, was with Overseas. Uh-huh. That feels like it was not that long ago, but I guess it kind of was. Uh, it was 2013? Wow. Was it? Yeah, it was 2013. Was that the only tour you guys did, pretty much? Yeah, we. I mean, and it wasn't even... Uh, we played a couple shows in New York, a, a couple shows in Texas, and then uh, some West Coast shows. Okay, because I think I was on tour when when you came through here with the orchestra stuff. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was just last fall. Okay, at Bowery, um, that was fun. I'm sure. So you guys have been playing together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yuki's playing on this headphones. Well, we did a tour earlier this year. Um, so yeah. W- We've been working on, there's all this, there's these two new albums almost, uh, the Bazan Monthly Volume 1 and Volume 2, and uh, Yuki and I and Tim Walsh worked on all that stuff together. Okay. Um, uh, for almost all of it, Yuki and I worked, you know, really closely. He produced it and he played a lot of stuff. And um, so then we did a, a tour together for that stuff earlier this year. And then now we're on this headphones thing and so it was a very natural progression to bring him out how did the head because like i'm so excited about the headphones tour but it's something i guess i wasn't really expecting Uh because i I remember when that record came out and like uh yeah i mean it was no one no one uh, yeah you know what i mean like i was cool but it wasn't something where i ever really thought i know you could play like i never wanted you in songs once in a while but i never really thought how did it sort of come about well it was just the ten year was approaching, and it was a record and a band, uh, like a project that just never really got to have a life. You know, yeah. it just was uh, the, the not very many people bought the record, and not very many people came to the shows on the first tour, and then <clears throat> so I only did one headlining tour 
on that and then open for minus the bear um on uh, for five weeks i think in october of 2005 and um then that was it it was just kind of done and i i don't know i love that record and over the years more and more people have been been asking about it and that's what kind of made us think like well maybe there are enough people who came to it late that just never got to see um those shows that you know we'll just we'll do a tour and we decided to do a house show tour instead of a venue tour because the risk was less because we you know we don't know what what the response is actually going to be like right Um, and the only reason why i hadn't sort of peppered that stuff into the set is because it just took so much to get the synthesizers programmed with the right sounds and learn all the parts like that that took it took a quite a lot of effort and so now i know how to i have all we have all that stuff and so now the headphone songs will just find their way into normal sets you know in the style that 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 they were played on the headphones record so when you do a house show of headphone songs you're using synths or using guitar two synthesizers okay um and i'm singing through a microphone uh which is the first time that that's happened i mean this year i sang uh into a mic on the last house show tour uh, earlier this year. But yeah, so we're just playing out of one little amp and it's been so, so fun. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, yeah. I had like a really important conversation with you about the headphones record because um, I gave it like not a great review for AP. Oh, I remember this. And in I, Cleveland. In Cleveland. And yeah, I had just driven to Virginia. To, it was some kind of, I had some crazy day, but I was going through this thing at AP where like, I couldn't give everything a good review. Yeah. And whenever I give something a bad review, like these bands would get so mad at me and I would like see them and they would like give me shit. And it like made me really like start to hate my job. Uh-huh. And I remember you came up to me. Yeah. The grog shop on that. And you were like, I think it was right when fewer moving parts came out. Yeah. Yeah. And you were like, I read your review. Like I thought you made some like really interesting points. And it was the first time anyone I had given like, and I, I'm sure I've given you a lot of positive stuff before. Obviously like I'm a huge fan, but it was the first time anyone had ever like engaged me in that way and like acknowledged like wasn't just like fuck you and it it made me feel a lot better. Well, I I was reading it and I and I felt like well this guy was listening to I mean I knew you but I thought you were listening and you kind of indicated in the thing like I, there are things that I really like about this but it just leaves me feeling flat somehow and I just think that. That's just an. I mean, that's somebody who's listened to the record, who's trying to engage with it, and so yeah, I, I wasn't offended. I thought it was great, and that's why I, I told you. But then I, I and I asked about because uh, a ghost is born had just come out, and that record got panned a lot, um, and I was I think I was asking you about it. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> I think I was asking you about it in the context of do you ever not that you were going to change your mind about my record but do you ever write a review a negative review and then find your way back to that record and then realize that it's amazing or that you love it just because you didn't have enough time to have that relationship with it and I think we both uh, I was like like a ghost is born I feel like people reviewing that record just didn't crack the code yet if they gave it a bad review because eventually it just flips and it's my favorite Wilco record. Yeah, I think it might be my favorite too. Um, but it really got it really got trashed. Yeah, after Yankee Hotel, 
which I don't think is as good of a record. Um, I think it's. I think that a Ghost Is Born. They were almost like a. You, you can't think of it. It's it's like almost like a new band. It was a different band. Yeah, yeah it really like, was. Comparing that to like AM or something or being there, oh, it's yes. like you can't. Yeah, yeah, it was. It really was. But yeah, I I, I thought about that a lot. Like I, you know, I've had kind of bad interactions with um, uh, music writers at Pitchfork and things like that because I. I, I think about like, well, what, what must this be like to do this job? And when, you know, when people like you, I'm reading it, I feel like, oh, these guys are, this isn't just a way to get some cheap shots in or just to feel like a big swinging dick or something like this, you know, this is something that you were really, you really cared about. And so I thought about that. I still think about that a lot, but yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and that was yeah, and the few marine parts that was right when that pitchfork song came out, I was like, Oh god. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that was I won't take it back, but it didn't help me at all. That's so funny. I mean, um so the monthly thing, like I've been been checking it out. I mean, how how has that been? Has that been like a good tool to kind of keep you kind of creative kind of in between album cycles, I guess? It was a that's a good question. It came up for a lot of reasons, and one of them is that I had been stuck. Uh, I was having a really hard time writing for like three years after strange negotiations. And so it just was a series of deadlines that were, you know, a month apart. Um, And at the beginning, it was just, it was kind of a dare, I guess. Like, I thought, this is crazy. I haven't been able to write two songs in three years so now I'm going to force myself to write two songs every month. And it just, it just worked. Um, but it, not without a lot of fear and trepidation. I mean, there were some really low moments in those first three months where I just didn't, I was like, so you got yourself into this mess and you, you know, you're, you can't do it. You know, you're, you failed. And then when did you start to feel like it was more doable? Like, um, maybe into volume two, right? There were moments in volume one, uh, maybe songs nine or ten, where I thought, "Oh, yeah, this is like I know how to do this," and I just had the right ideas laying around and uh, were able to finish them in a timely way. But it was into volume two, I think, when volume two started. I had finished volume one, and we were all blown away that I even did it. Like that, you know, Bob. My manager had been preparing every month like uh, an email in his head like, Dear Bazan fans, <laughs> I am so sorry, but, you know, Dave did not make the deadline and we're not sure when it's going to happen, but please, you know, be patient. He didn't have to do it. I turned everything in on time every time um, with a big thanks to, to Tim Walsh and Yuki who were right there in the trenches like with those deadlines, you know, I was passing off stuff to them um, the day before the the songs had to come out on the internet and Yuki was mixing and Walsh was mastering. Um, but yeah, uh, it was once volume one was done and volume two was beginning, I thought, man, how am I going to do this again? Like, right. you know, that was by the s- skin of my teeth. And then the first two Bazan monthly volume two tracks happened and i kind of thought okay 
is going to be okay because they came out of nothing. And, and, and the energy feels different on those, I yeah, think. It really did. The energy felt different. Yuki and I worked a little more closely together on those ones. And um, so, yeah, they when they when they were finished, I thought everything's going to be okay. Like somehow I know how to do this. And with Yuki's help, it's really exciting. Um, so, yeah. And so now I just feel like I just like don't be a pussy and finish the <laughs> tunes. That's just that taught me how to do that. I mean, so like it seems like you do kind of a lot of maybe like unorthodox I mean, I would say the house shows is something mm-hmm. maybe that's you kind of like pioneered a lot and, you know, like the monthly thing, you know, not every band can do. I mean, how much of that is like conceptually yours? How much of it is Bob's? How much is like just some crazy idea that you just end up having to do because you said you would do it? Uh, well, it's a, it, certainly Bob is a very unique band manager. Um, and I don't think that there are a lot of people that i've run into that would be like yeah that's a great idea you know the house shows or the monthly thing but i think that bob and i just have a good relationship where if we kind of get in backed into a corner um we can sit and just kind of talk it out go back and forth what about this what if we tried this you know and then by the end of two or three conversations there's like a working model of a thing um so i guess it's really both of us um and then, yeah, the the last thing you said is that was the monthly thing was just like, all right, we've said this. I mean, and it was funny because in the first month, a, you know, a bunch of people bought 10 songs and only two songs existed and they were going to get two every month. And so, yeah, I just I said I was going to do it. So I have I had to do it. Yeah. And um, that I've never had a deadline quite like that. Uh, where I was going to disappoint um, hundreds and hundreds of people if uh, or piss them off or whatever if I didn't turn the thing in. It would just be like, oh, well, the record's coming out later. Right. So. That seems like a really good motivator. Like, I feel like, because I feel like stuff takes me forever, but I always get it done by the deadline. I always uh-huh. start it like two days before. Uh-huh. I'm like, if I know <laughs> I have to do it, like, I guess you'll just figure out a way to do it. I think you do. Yeah. I, I certainly, it it worked that way for me. Um, and I guess I'm enough of a people pleaser where it just seemed, I just couldn't even fathom. I did not want to have that feeling or have to send out that email. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. I don't want to tell my wife like, babe, I kissed a girl, you know, (laughs) like I don't want to have that conversation. Right. It helps me, you know. How did you guys, have you guys start playing together? Um, well, I met Dave 15 years ago, I think, Mm -hmm. or even... Maybe even more. Before that, yeah. Um, And I had a band called Seldom that ended up touring with Pedro the Lion for like three months in the year 2000 or something Uh like that. Um, And then we've just been close musical confidants ever since. Um, I live in Seattle. Dave lives in Seattle, so... And the first headphones tour... um, where we were headlining the crystal skulls were the opening band and yuki was the bass player and and contributing member of crystal skulls okay um and yeah we just we've been there but we were already family at that point i mean we were yeah yeah 
there's a you know there like in any kind of music scene or community there are like you know little nuclear families that are kind of bands and then there's like bigger extended families and we just there's about 10 of us that are kind of a part of this extended family in the Seattle you know music world and um yeah so you can I've just been in that in that tight like little community of people right. for okay. a pretty long time and we figured out ways to work together or figure out, like decide we don't want to work together yeah. um over those 15 years yeah and now yeah. we're back in this really like sort of vital yeah creative time together i don't know it's really neat yeah the it's things have lined up right now in a way that i feel like we just have to uh what whatever the cliche is strike while the iron's hot or whatever but like it just feels like the iron is hot now and so we're just kind of making hay that's another you're just making hay we're making (laughs) hay um so yeah um and then so yuki mixes records uh for hire yeah is that the way you'd say yeah and um and then plays in other bands, um, The Shins and um, Teardrops. Um, and then so has figured out how to, you know, be a sideman in bands, but still own his sort of destiny as like a mix engineer. Um, and it's been amazing to see that too. Um, yeah, so we just have, yeah, we've just n- known each other and I've been a fan of of his uh, since the very beginning, I think the first thing I ever heard was a tape of his that Gerardo brought over, having just played a show together or something like that. Something like that, yeah. And uh, yeah, he's yeah. It's been a cool. It's been a cool fifteen years in that in that way. I think maybe I saw Crystal Skulls on headphones. Did you guys play like the Dave well, Lewis South by Southwest thing? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, where like yeah. everyone got free Sockenies or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Russian Circles or something. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. right. That's right. What yeah. venue was that though? It was. Was it in? It feels like it was so long ago. It does. Might have been in. I can't. Could remember. have been in Anton's. I have no idea. I bet you Dave would know. Yeah, Dave would know. It wasn't it wasn't that emo show right that was the suicide squeeze that was showcase. the suicide squeeze one mm. yeah um yeah the skulls were easily one of my two or three favorite bands that i've ever seen play live like there were some skull shows and we watched you guys play every night for 30 shows and uh it just was always incredible like a feeling like you just don't you just can't go and get uh whenever you want it was amazing it was that was a pretty special the iron was pretty hot at that moment (laughs) for you guys uh and then it cooled right the fuck off (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but yeah what kind of draws you guys to working like because it seems like over the last 15 years you've you're i feel like every time for a long time your band would come through it'd be so different especially like kind of pre bazant even like Pedro would be like a two piece or three piece or five uh-huh. piece or just you or um I have wanted to I think since the skulls like Yuki showed up in the band the Crystal Skulls never having played bass before 
and suddenly he's like all of our favorite bass players and there was just like a, a musical and an emotional spark that became obvious then because before seldom we all loved it's a totally bitchin band and you could see that musical spark but there was something about him starting like just taking a new instrument and being like okay i'm gonna figure this out and beyond that just make it into this very expressive thing so i think ever since then i just have had wanted to I'd wanted to work with him in some way. And now that he was mixing records and kind of producing records, um, it was just the best, it was the best possible fit. It made the most sense, like workflow wise, like beyond that, it's hard to know, like we're going to get in a room together and like jam or like, what are we going to do? But in this case, I can just make a bunch of shit up and send it to him, and then he can sort of take it from there, add stuff to it, mix it, send it back, say, you know, there needs to be more, whatever. So now that now that he's mixing records, I think that was the, the, the thing that made it work, where we each have our stations and our phases of, of the, you know, divisions of labor, I guess. Right. Um, it just was the most natural. Okay. Um, so we could each express ourselves and be you know, have a really huge impact on the outcome, but in our own little domiciles, right. you know, less, de- less dependent on like real time. Like yeah. in the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, and <clears throat> so, and then over the course of these 20 songs that we made 16 of them together, um, we've done it different ways where we weren't in the same room ever for a couple of tracks. We were, you know, we built something up from basically a synthesizer loop, together on another one and um yeah just all kind of different ways of of working that all yielded something a little different and um yeah it's just it just really it was the right time and the right uh, we were both kind of in the right skill sets um for for it to happen so in the end we'll have i think not the end end, but by the end of this year, we'll have made 26 songs together um, and in a pretty short amount of time. And, you know, if the winds change or Yuki has to go do Shin stuff or whatever, and there's a, a big gap between the next time, like, that's fucking amazing. I mean, that's, that's a lot. So That's a lot. <laughs> I feel really, from going from not having been able to write but one song in three years to like just being so productive um is a uh, it makes me emotional to and i'm just so i'm just so grateful does it for. do you think it changes your mentality like day to day like do you feel like you don't have this thing hanging over your head or something yeah i hate i hated myself i <laughs> i didn't want to um it was tough to think about it because this thing that i i one of my primary functions is as, as a human that I have engaged in and gives me pleasure, um, expresses thoughts and ideas. I just was uh, incapable of doing it. At, you know, I was just totally impotent, and that felt terrible. Um, and so now, just knowing, like, well, I don't know. You know, it was a small trick. It's there's there's like a Zen component to it where it's like, well, what was the difference? It was minuscule change in thinking that is what it amounted to um it was just 
I thought maybe, well, you can't, or there was something negative, and I just flipped the switch and said, no, just, you know, you, you, you will, you are, and then it, it just clicked. Um, so, yeah, I, I felt terrible, and I don't feel great now, but this part of my, <laughs> this part of my, uh, my life uh, is, is, I just am really grateful. That's, that's how I feel. How were you sort of able, do you think, to reach that kind of turning point? Was it just you'd exhausted other stuff, or did you? I just set up that that uh, the monthly thing. I mean, yeah. I, I set up those um, those. Uh, I had to do it. Yeah, like once you know, a thousand people bought the the series. I had to, I had to finish it, um, and so that was how it, that's how it was. And now I don't. Now I don't think I will have to have that crazy a deadline to achieve. Um, productivity, but we'll see. I but mean, you're in the, you're sort of in that habit now. So yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so much of it, I feel like it's just sitting down doing it. That's right. right. And just not, um, trying to find the fun and it's, we're not really caring about the, it's not, not caring. That's where the Zen of it, I think is, and I don't know what I'm talking about in, in terms of that, but what I perceive about that is that you can't grip it too tight. You, you can't you can't care and you can't not care when well, you can't be afraid to make some stupid stuff yep for a second That's before it. you hit on the thing right. that isn't stupid you know and in a sense you can't be afraid to just put out some stupid stuff right yeah because sometimes you don't realize what your taste is until until years later or, you know and so just to you can't be you have to be willing to just sort of be yourself uh, in in that process and let uh, be vulnerable and let um, the potentially repulsive aspects of your own personality or taste or whatever kind of come through in the whole and feel like that's okay. Um, so yeah, I think it was just fear of being rejected at, on some level. Uh, and now I'm just learning that I can't, can't care about that bullshit yeah that's amazing that i would think like having someone like with such like a long kind of career like you would i don't know i just like assume everyone's more confident than me i guess well yeah i, I guess i do too <laughs> i think everybody thinks that about <laughs> yeah. other people yeah you're probably right i really think that but I, and then maybe you know if we all experience the same crippling self-doubt at intervals um as one another then i guess that makes sense because that's what it it feels i mean yeah it just feels bad sometimes and it's so crazy and songwriters i hear say this all the time where they think like i don't th- i wonder if i'll ever be able to write another song again and i've felt like that before like what would i even write about i think i've written about everything that i know or feel or whatever but it it doesn't end up being that way right yeah yeah, that's how I feel all the time. Even when I'm writing, I'm like, I'm using these these combinations of words that everyone else has used. I'm just putting them in a different order. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ideas that are, you know, everybody has. and Yeah. But it, it is true the same way that you perceive that everybody's more confident than you. You know, we all do have a unique, maybe it's just 5% different or something like yeah. that. Or 1% different. But that ends up being enough if you really work at a thing i mean the fact that there can be cover versions of hit songs is proof that 
everyone yeah. has a different take, you know? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And sometimes those covers are better than the original or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's just, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> um, how, were you playing with the Shins sort of since the beginning or was No, that, uh, okay. I joined in 2011. Okay. Yeah. And then sure. I did the the whole record cycle for the last record that came out. Nice. Touring and press and all that stuff. That's so cool. Yeah. It he, was fun. You got to play on on uh SNL with them. No oh, way. Yeah. And I didn't meet your sister. Is she on it? Yeah, I guess. I she, think so. I guess so. She started this is she just finished her fifth season. Yeah. Um but that was a blast. I'm yeah. sure you've been there a bunch. Been there a bunch, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's really fun. There's nothing like it. Did you guys go to the party and stuff? And yeah, hang the out? two parties. You went to both. I'm impressed. Yeah. I usually can't make it to the second one. Well, you know, I guess we, you know, we're all just like, oh, I don't know when this is gonna happen again. Totally. So, yeah, yeah. I saw them at like this sub pop thing, maybe birthday thing, anniversary thing, a really long, so long ago that the first band on the bill was Hot Hot Heat. They just signed Whoa. them. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was back when Joan was working there or something. Uh huh. It was a long time ago. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, I'm trying to think what else I wanted to talk about. Oh, um, do you guys like living in Seattle? I really do. Yeah, yeah. I I also do very much. Yeah. How is the um, has the weed thing kind of changed things a lot, or does this kind of feel the same? I don't. I don't really perceive a change other than that. Um, people can just buy weed. <laughs> yeah, and it's okay. You know. But, you know, before that, I think for the last five years, it's been decriminalized. So people have been smoking pot in, on the... In public, yeah. Yeah, I've been, you know, outside of a club chatting with a buddy who's smoking a joint or something, and a cop has walked by, and the cop has just said, just put it out, man. You know, and it wasn't a big thing. Right. So now that it's legal, it, it really isn't like... I don't know, it doesn't feel like a huge wall's been torn down. In Seattle, I wonder how many more. I don't get the feeling that that many more people are smoking than before. Yeah, exactly. I just feel like everybody's shoulders are just a little less tense about it. You yeah. know what I mean? That it's just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I um, might be more likely to smoke now that it's legal. You know, I wasn't opposed to smoking it illegally, but just the fact that it's so easy to get now. You know, when there's a dad, yeah, like there are other things that kind of come into to right. the calculation of like, well. It's no big deal, but I'm a dad, and if I go to, you know, if I get some stupid fine or have to spend the night in jail yeah. for some dumbass thing, then that's, that affects the kid. And, and there are certain rules about it. I mean, it's not it's not unlike alcohol or something like that. Like, you can't yeah. go to a park and just open up a beer. Right. Same, you can't smoke weed in a park or, you know, there's... Like, legally, yeah. I don't really know all of those, yeah. those rules, but... But you can vape anywhere. You cannot. I know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's also That's hard. What vape, vape dudes. Think. They think. Yeah, you can just. Vape it's hard anywhere. to vape and not look like a dick. Too. That's really difficult. What are the laws in New York? Like, you can, I know in this neighborhood, people like have been smoking this neighborhood, like, and they'll get like arrested. Whoa. Oh, yeah. 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 Like really. They, yeah. Like, but in Manhattan, are, it's not that way so much. I feel like I've. I feel like from what I've heard, like. You, you'll probably get yelled at, but you might get a ticket, but you probably won't go to jail. Yeah. But it's definitely like you, you kind of like 
It's not like a great idea. Is it anywhere near being legalized here? Or I don't. I know in New Jersey it is, and in uh, they just passed stuff in like Washington, like D.C. and stuff. Uh-huh. But I don't think it is here. Hmm. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like gay marriage or anything where you're like, all right, like this is legal some places. Eventually, it's going to be legal everywhere, but it just takes so long. Yeah, it really so does. Long. And you're just like, can we just like skip this? Like you know, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it, it it was a crazy time. Like uh, in 2012, weed and gay marriage were legalized in the same election in Washington yeah. State. Really? Yeah. And uh, that was just... See, that was more exciting to me, the gay marriage. Oh, yeah. Thing, weed. You know? Like well, weed is cool, but yeah. At a show, I people, you know, at the Seattle show, we when we left for the, the, head, the control tour, Obama hadn't won and, you know, those things weren't thing and... Uh, and then we got back uh those those were law and so yeah somebody was like what about weed and i was like well that's fine <laughs> but right. what about fucking human dignity for all these yeah, right, people right. you know and um at the show we just all i just said Let, let's just like let's fucking clap for yeah. this like this is amazing and so we just for it seemed like a minute it was a really long time we just all clapped and sort of like basked in the glow of this little step toward justice that had happened and but i feel the same way it's just like come on you know or quit quit trying to overturn row like right it's never right. gonna happen right. yeah you pull your head out of your ass <clears throat> i think it's um it's like it's some of it's got to be like a generational thing like yeah. i cannot imagine like kids growing up today like and any of them being like yeah i'm not sure about this <laughs> right exactly those yeah that's funny um yeah, but yeah, Washington does seem like much more pro- progressive than a lot of other parts of America. In in places, I mean, Seattle, it's probably like New York State, you know. Yeah. Uh, New York, it, relative to the rest of the state, and Seattle, relative to the rest of Washington. Yeah, well, King, yeah, I think King County. King County. Is pretty liberal. And every place else is pretty conservative. Yeah. Um, and so you get a lot of, you know... The, the hillbillies out in eastern Washington, and there's a lot of people who are obviously not hillbillies, but there are definitely some dudes out there who despise, um, you know, the west side of the Cascades. Yeah. Um, they just feel like we're we're ruining everything for everybody and those right. goddamn liberals and blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah. But Seattle, it's... The west coast in general is just... Um, that's where I'm from. That's where you're from. Yeah, yeah. And there's just a feeling there that I am used to and that I like. Um, and Seattle is a is a great embodiment of of it. Portland too, San Francisco. Absolutely. There, it's just this. It's rad out there. I really like it. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we talk. We always end up talking about drinking a lot. Uh huh. How's, how's that been going for you? It's going pretty good. Um, <laughs> since we last talked, uh, 2014 was a year of. Um, pretty specific rules um in in the desire to kind of curb the problem drinking uh that would still kind of creep in yeah um kind of went in cycles and so that it was it was a relatively i mean i definitely had some some big nights here or there but uh, on the whole it was a pretty relaxed year in terms of the rules were i couldn't ever drink alone I couldn't ever buy alcohol for myself. Um, like at the store, no alcohol, like 
just around in the house. My wife drinks like apple cider, like hard cider or whatever. And so, okay. um, and then it could never be my idea in a group. Like, let's go get a drink. If someone says like, you want to get a drink? I would say, yeah, okay. And then I had to stay behind the leader, the, the, like the, the uh, pole position. The pole, yeah. <laughs> I had to stay behind like the, the pack leader or whatever, like whoever was like, I couldn't be pace car. Is that what pace you car? Yeah, that's pace right. Car. <laughs> I had to stay behind the pace car. <laughs> Uh, and I tried to, you know, like fully one drink, like just skip around and stay, stay behind. There were moments where I, I didn't do that. Um, and then 2015, and it was pretty successful. I think I probably curbed, um, I probably drank 75% less, um, overall, uh, than I had the, in 2013. And then 2015 came and I kind of felt like, okay, well now I can just do whatever, and, uh, but I think I'm going to stick to the no, no beer and liquor in the house. Yeah. I just, my self-control is just not, not that great. Yeah. So Saturday afternoon, I'll have one and just love the feeling of it. And then next thing you know, like it's dinner time and I'm like trying to act like I'm not fucking oh, slammed, man. you know? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I've been taking a little break for just kind of the same reasons and it's, it's so crazy. Like, you would think, like, by the time you get this age, like, you'd have it figured out. Like, you're not, like, in college. Like, you're not, like... It's true, but it's... It is a... Um, it is a strange... It's the, the... For me, anyways, the effect of it is still so powerful. It doesn't ever not feel good. Right. I think that's the problem. I think so, too. Yeah. Especially if you don't... Like, if you go way down the rabbit hole of alcoholism i do think that it starts to be you know like if you're able to take a break from it you know and like last night i don't think we had well i guess we drank a little bit the night before but i just feel like if you go three or four days and then you're like oh we're in new york like let's go drink right that it's just like so fun and there's no real downside that that night mm -hmm. we're experiencing the downside now <laughs> a little, a little. <laughs> i feel better than yeah. i did um but yeah it's it's a powerful yeah thing i feel like it used to be more fun for me though like i for some reason i feel like it used to be so fun and now it's less now it's less or i have more like guilt attached to it like the mm -hmm. next day like if mm -hmm. we just talked to him, i'm always like oh, what did i say like what did i do uh -huh. before yeah. i didn't care really yeah now i care more about that kind of stuff that's probably a good thing i guess so but that i know what you're talking about there's like a soul shame or something like that that right. i feel even if nothing bad happened right i didn't drive drunk i didn't say some stupid shit like i still feel like i exposed like i i left myself uncovered mm -hmm. somehow and i don't know but yeah I, so i don't know if it would be it'd be good to not feel a lot of shame and to have fun you know but maybe that's a your our body's telling us like but also i think that's a chemical component of what alcohol does in your brain oh, is yeah. it it fills you with shame and anxiety yeah after there um, you go yeah um well shit yeah <laughs> that's just i need more of that in my life <laughs> oh yeah. man how how funny and yeah i never thought about that i think yeah i think that is what it does it makes up there in my experience, that is absolutely true. Yeah. And exercise does the opposite. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I guess you got to balance it out. Yeah. What have the um, Q&A's been like on this tour? Because I, 
as generally like cannot stand Q and A's. Just so whenever I go to a lecture or something, it's like always like someone super intelligent, and then it's like these people in the audience like asking like stuff. I'm just maybe just because I interview people, I'm uh-huh. just like oh, really like that's what <laughs> you're asking. Do you ever get like annoyed? Or are you like pretty good? Have they been pretty good? I mean, I imagine for doing it for so long, you must pretty much get the same kind of stuff. You know. It does. It doesn't feel that way. Um, it feels different every night. Yeah. How do you? What do you think? I think it's different every night for sure. Something there are some, you know, similarities bet- between the questions. Like, what are you listening to on the road? I mean, we get that, right? Okay. How's it been going? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I just, I just use what is such and such song. Oh mean? yeah, there's specific song yeah. questions, um, but. I feel like it's an opportunity to, I don't know, kind of stretch it. The, the energy of every room is so different, mm-hmm. and the energy of every crowd is so different. And so I feel like it doesn't feel like I'm saying the same shit. Right. Well, when it's good, from my perception, um, it feels like the person who is asking the question is scratching the itch of the entire audience. Yeah. You know, and then you're saying some stuff that the whole crowd wants to know you know yeah rather than like sometimes it doesn't feel like that it feels like there the was, audience is like oh what? It, like like you were saying like there was why one is he asking recently that? <laughs> one person in the audience at, at a show uh that uh yuki probably remembers and the people around that person were definitely like <laughs> rolling their eyes like the fifth time they asked a question mm-hmm. yeah um but i that's for them to do like i can't right, right i have to just be like with the person you know right um that's my job is to sort of honor the risk that they're taking um and then i'm not going to make fun of anybody but it's I, you know it's it's good if i can respond in a way that if if everybody laughs you know mm-hmm. and then we can kind of it just is a way to keep the energy going and to interact and if i end up looking a little charming or something it's that's good like it is a show right i guess i always assume someone's going to be like how do you think you can play cornerstone when you said this about jesus or whatever well stuff does like that, that still does happen come up but no one is chat no one is challenging okay. like that there was a guy not too long ago who asked what my thoughts about organized religion were at this point and i just fucking let him have it yeah i not knowing what side of the thing he was on and i think well, you answered the question. Yeah, you did. I did. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. With and pulled no punches, and I think he was. It it seemed to deflate him <laughs> a little, and uh, which you didn't mean to do. I don't think. No, right. Um, and I and I try I try to couch the you know things answers like that, and like you know, but that's just like my opinion, man, or whatever. But um, yeah, and then somebody asked about baltimore and ferguson and that got gnarly too but i i it's just because it's it's uncomfortable right to, shit to for everybody to admit like this is a massive problem and it's our fault like my skin's white it's my fault you know i i you know and so the energy at the show got if to me it felt really ugh, like raw and tense so then i played two songs that kind of pertain to it and it it sorted everything out but yeah the q a's i still feel like they're if i don't do them too often and on this tour we're doing them at the same intervals yeah and it feels like a good flow mm-hmm. 
and it feels like an exciting part of the you got to tune that guitar the show i know i <laughs> that's right <laughs> i gotta get a battery that reminds yeah. me yeah. the might have one here you need a nine volt no it's um like a little watch the battery. little watch battery that's cr 2032 i think i've got some in my backpack they just weren't at the show so you do stuff after the headphone set? You do we, some other stuff with a guitar? We do the first five headphone songs, okay. and then and then I play acoustic guitar and sing uh, three or four or five, depending on how quick we're going. Or yeah, if if we're like kind of ahead of schedule, or um, and then we come back and finish out the headphones record and end with the last song on the headfo- headphones okay. record. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we're not playing one song from the headphones record, but no one, only one person has mentioned has it. noticed. Really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a great one. Um, w- was it hard for you to get back into playing synth again? Well, all this monthly stuff, I've been playing a lot of synthesizer. Okay. The thing that was hard is is as you'll see tonight. I'm playing drums with my left hand on the keyboard. So I'm playing like kick and snare basically. Okay. Um, with my middle and index finger. Um, and that was, that's been hard to figure out how to do that. And to now I feel like we just have turned the corner where it just, there are a couple of moments in the set where I do have to really think hard, but the rest of it, it's pretty natural. Um, so yeah, that took a little bit of doing and then programming the stuff and yeah, it was the, the four days before the tour were a mad dash. I mean, did you have to go back and find like the, like the sounds from the original album or like find that keyboard or like, well, I didn't have, I couldn't find that keyboard. I kind of looked and thought maybe I would, but then I would have to transfer it over to the keyboard that we're that we were using for the right. tour which is a different one okay um and so what i did was i just uh, i found most of the multi-tracks uh, audio <coughs> pardon me i found most of the multi-track audio for the record so i could solo the that synth track and just kind of hear how it functioned what sonically it was doing and then i just have to try to match it Okay. Uh, on the synthesizer um, that we were using. And so, yeah, that took time. Um, and then also figure out what the fuck I was even playing, like how, how that part went. Because, um, you you know, I know how it sounds, but how to, what, where do you put your fingers, all, you know, that, that shit. So it took some doing, but it's been fun. And now that we've done it, I'm just, I'm really glad to have this in my back pocket now. This can just happen whenever now, and there doesn't have to be a ten-year yeah. gap between playing these songs on synthesizers. You know, I love um, when you did. I never wanted you on that um, that live from Electrical Audio. Oh, rad thing! That was so good, but man, that song is such a bummer. It is a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bummer. There's um, there's a cover. Speaking of covers that are potentially better than the original, there's a cover of that song by oh, yeah. a band called Mint Julep. Okay. Um, that everybody should Google, um, and it's amazing. It's, it's a girl so good. singing, and it's it's electronic production. Is it? I mean, it's it's a big blanket, but is it? It's like drive esque. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's in that sort of... I don't know what you would call it. Yeah. The production is dope. Really? And it's one of the few times where usually covers, even really good covers, just remind me of what I don't like about myself and my songwriting. But this one made me think like, oh, this this is actually a fucking great song. <laughs> and I And that their cover sort of hipped me to that maybe for the first time where I just thought, man... I really like the song, and so it's a great, great cover. But do you think part of that is like kind of what we were talking about earlier, about like a confidence issue where it's hard to recognize that in yourself? I think so, yeah, absolutely. That you, It's hard to have perspective about what you're doing. Right. And to know both, either if it's good or, or bad, you just are kind of doing your thing. And so hearing it from their perspective, it moved me. It was It's a really great cover. Did you ever finish anything and you're just like, I fucking nailed it. Like when you, I don't know, you finished like Control or Achilles Heel or any, like anything. The song Cold Beer and Cigarettes and the Fewer Moving Parts EP, I didn't feel like I fucking killed it, but I was, I was happy. I thought, yeah. I thought I did what I was trying to do. I was really proud of it. Um, and specifically, I'd been trying to figure out how to arrange the song Cold Beer and Cigarettes in a way that was just sexier than the acoustic demo where it just was slinkier and had like a like a there was like a binary energy thing that I wanted it to have and when I came up with the bass line the synth bass line that is on the record and then sat down at the drums and realized okay this is going to be a totally different drum feel than I thought and played that then that was a, a moment where you know I had been working on that song for eight months just trying to find the the kind of crack the code of how to do it so when that happened i was so so happy yeah i was really happy um that was a good moment because pedro had broken up um or i guess the way to say it is that i had walsh and i broke up and i quit using that brand name and i was feeling really low you know for like about as low as i've ever felt um, and then I was able to make that EP and that, that kind of brought me back a little bit. I thought, okay, I know how to make myself happy with sounds and songs and parts and things. And, uh, so that was a good start to the Bazan brand in that, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and, th- and that was when we had like the acoustic and then the kind of full band mm-hmm. versions too, right? It did. Yeah, it did. Yeah. That was interesting. I don't know that I'll ever do that again, but it it was it was cool, I think. Definitely. Have you ever thought of doing like more kind of production stuff for other people? Uh I have thought about it. Um for it to really work with my uh well, this is different now, but the, my thinking of it is for it to really work with my family life, I would need to have like a little shed in my backyard that people would come to me right whenever i am in the studio making a record which is pretty rare i haven't done it very much but i produced a record for my friend rosie thomas um in 2009 and it's it's a vortex like nothing else that i do in my life where if i'm on tour my wife can reach me throughout the day just like not at the show um when i'm in the studio I'm, I get there at 11 and it just feels like a, a sprint for 
14 hours or whatever. And so then I get home at two and I'm just busted and I wake up just in time to leave again. So if I'm in the studio for 20 days, it's literally 20 days that my wife just doesn't have access to me. Um, and that doesn't work. So it would have to be something, something else. But now that we've made all this stuff, I never made fully like electronic music before the headphones record was, uh, acoustic drums. And that's always been sort of the basis of how I perceive music and how to make music. And so now that I kind of know how to make music with electronic drums, I feel like I could have somebody come over and we could make a record downstairs in my, in my basement as long as they were cool with, you know, that kind of production. Um, and that said too, I've thought it would be really fun. We'd have to get paid a lot of money, but for Yuki and I to make a record for, for somebody. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, but right now what I, I just need to, to, to tame the beast of just getting my own productivity kind of, uh, rolling and like kind of solidified. So maybe in a, in a year or so I'll think, okay, well maybe I'll look for that, but I don't get a lot of offers either. Yeah. Like zero. (laughs) Or people, people don't ask about that. Do you feel like just part of that productivity too is like keeping that momentum going, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and figuring out how to balance touring and, um, putting out songs, um, and where where the ba- where the right combination of those two things lie, so that I'm working as smart as possible. I'm happy to work extremely hard, um, but at a certain point, I realized it'd be nice if there was just a little bit of gravy, and uh, to figure out how to kind of get that going. So we'll see. Awesome. Um, yeah, is there anything else you have kind of coming up or? Not that yeah, I, this headphone thing is almost over. Uh, we're right in the middle of right it. Right in the middle. Yeah. Okay. Um, we we've just we're just about done with three weeks, and we've got three more weeks left. But we're we're going to be home for two weeks. Okay. Before that begins. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. We're working on um, a Bazan record that should be out in February. Oh, nice. Um, that's the plan. Um, and other than that. No, I mean, you know, it'd be dope if people wanted to seek out that monthly stuff. I think it's, both of them are great. I think Bazan Monthly Volume 2 might be my favorite record that I've made. Um, yeah, I think I think so. Really? Um, we just listened to it all the way through yesterday, and I was, I was excited. I was really, song by song, it was just like, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> and you can you can get those in the non seven inch form as well too, right? Yeah, just okay. digital downloads uh, for ten bucks on on our website. You can awesome. You can get it. Um, but in if pe- people can just listen to them on SoundCloud to see if they even dig it, you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm proud of it, genuinely. Well, how about that? How's about that? Oh, man. If you have not heard the headphones record, um, get it. It's been out for 10 fucking years. Yeah, come on. <laughs> like, uh, don't you hate it when people are like, 
like put it on your Spotify playlist. Yeah, put it on your Spotify playlist. It's so easy to get access to music now. Yeah. Like by the time I just said that sentence, you could have you, had it. You could it might well some of you might be listening to it now. Yeah, Maybe. I guess if you listen to an entire hour long podcast with Dave and Yugi, <laughs> you probably at least sort of care about headphones. But uh yeah, that record's great. It feels like it just came out and it's been ten years, which just shows how fast time is moving and how close we all are to death. <laughs> um, if you like this podcast, go to goingofftrack.com and you can donate or leave us a nice comment. Um, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, I think. I think it's even. Uh, someone, <laughs> someone I actually got, got, I don't know if you saw this, I got into it with someone a little bit on a Twitter no, the other day. I'll have to look at that. S- some guy was like... <laughs> Tried listening to Going Off Track again, the episode with Adam Vass from Law Dispute. Still not for me. <laughs> and I just wrote back, uh, I'm sorry our free, com- free podcast didn't live up to your stringent standards. <laughs> or something totally condescending. And he wrote back, he's like, well, uh, do you count how many times you say like? I think it's an American thing. I think it's British or something. And he's, like, he's like, you know, you also could have ignored my comment. And I was going to write back and be like, cool, thanks for letting me know how the internet works. Like, and laying my options out for me. Uh, but I was like, I'm just going to let this go. And then I'm going to passive aggressively talk about it on the podcast. So yeah, if you don't like it, that's cool. Feel free to say it's not for you. But keep in mind that this is a free thing. D- don't, you don't have to listen to it. And don't forget. All PR is good PR. All PR is good PR. The thing is, is like that stuff, like comments, all that kind of stuff, it doesn't get me mad. I just like fucking with the people because I feel like whenever the most arrogant people, whenever you question them, they're like, whoa, whoa. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, like, not for me. Yeah, I'm sure it's not for a lot of people. That's fine. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thanks for letting us know it's not for you. Anyways, uh, so yeah, feel free to leave us a critique. Obviously, let us know if it's for you or yeah, not. Let us know if it's for you or not. Obviously, we're super good at taking criticism, <laughs> especially me late at night. Uh, yeah, so yeah, thanks to Dave and Yuki for coming by. Check out all Dave's solo stuff. Check out Pedro Line. Check out the shins. Check out headphones. Check out everything that these guys work on because they're awesome. Check out everything. Check out everything. Great dudes. Hopefully, we'll have them back soon, and we'll be back next week. Bye.